Hi everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Maria, and we're the hosts of Remember Me. This podcast is dedicated to preserving the memories of those diagnosed with dementia. We hope this episode helps you feel more connected, provides a deeper understanding, and allows you to learn to accept the good. Always, always accept the good. This is Remember Me. Hi, everyone. Today, you'll be hearing an interview from our new Grief to Goodness series. Grief to Goodness is all about channeling grief experiences into something creative and powerful for the dementia community. In this series, you'll hear from individuals who have been on a journey with a loved one with an early onset neurodegenerative disease. Our hope is that these stories inspire you, but also teach you something you may not know about other forms of dementia. You actually may find that some of the experiences and feelings are more similar to FTD than you think. So without further ado, here's our limited series, Grief to Goodness. Today, for our final episode of our Grief to Goodness series, we have the pleasure of having Patty. Patty, welcome to Remember Me. We're so excited to have you here. We know a lot of our listeners are big fans of yours, so welcome. Thank you. We both said we feel like we're here with a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) That is so silly. (laughs) So Patty is a care partner to her mother, Linda, and Linda is living with dementia, mixed dementia, mixed dementia. Okay. So let's get into your mom's diagnosis and how you came to understand that she was living with dementia. So can you tell us from your perspective, the first kind of signs that you thought maybe something's not right with my mom? Yeah. So another important part to know about my mom is she also has type one diabetes. So actually that was one of the first signs for us that she was experiencing some memory loss and some cognitive functioning um, decrease because she was always able to manage her blood sugars and give herself insulin and she was missing insulin doses or she was giving herself the wrong amount and it just became really challenging for her to manage. Another sign for her was that she was a lot more sad than she had been. Things that didn't used to trigger her um, triggered her and made her really emotional and sad. And then also um, she was the homemaker. So she paid the bills and kept the house clean and she did everything. She managed the finances and bills weren't getting paid on time. And so we just really started to notice these signs. She was um, about 65 going on to her um, 66th birthday. So that was about seven years ago that we started to notice those signs. About six months later, she got her formal dementia diagnosis. 
when they did the MRI and they were trying to confirm what kind it was, they actually noticed that there was loss, like brain loss in lots of areas, not in the same area as Alzheimer's. So the official diagnosis they gave us was mixed dementia because it was impacting um, different parts of her brain. Um, and that was the year before I got married that we found that out. So the plan, our, my mom and I's whole life was that she was going to help me in every part of my wedding and plan bridal showers and attend my bachelorette party. And we spent that time reminding her that I was getting married and mm. involving her in a very different way. Um, my dad was her caregiver at the time. He cared for her for about the first four years, and it just was a very unsuccessful partnership between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And so then that's kind of when I stepped in about a little over two years ago to start okay. helping in their home. And then my mom moved in with me about a year and a half ago. Um, she lives with me and my husband now because she does require, she, I mean, she pretty immediately required 24 seven care because of the diabetes. I would say it's hard for me to manage it for her some mm -hmm. days. And so, I mean, just she needed full care to keep her alive and safe pretty quickly. I think because you're so good at sharing, like you post a lot of videos about, you know, we're crafting or we're cooking and she always seems so sweet. Like I, I've never been like, Oh, that, Oh man, like that looks rough, but I know it is. So yeah. what was her kind of personality through all of this? Was she always like chipper and happy or did she have, you know, rougher spots? Um, at first it was really challenging for her, the emotional piece. Um, she cried a lot. She was constantly apologizing, feeling like it was her fault, constantly living in this like, I wish I knew what to do. And my dad, because of who he is and his lack of patience, didn't make it easier for her. You know, he'd be like, well, you need, Linda, you need to remember, like, we're going to set a timer. And then at this time, which are good strategies, but it was, it just made her feel worse. So she, um, by the time I started stepping in to care for her because I was like, this is not a safe situation. Um, she was pretty much shut down. She was pretty nonverbal. I remember my husband said something to me when she moved in with us and it started to get a little bit more comfortable and was talking. He was like, I didn't know your mom was so talkative. And I, I mean, I've been with my husband for 10 years or over 10 years you know, seven of those years, the most recent years, she had a dementia diagnosis, but she, I mean, she was pretty shut down a couple years ago and she's just kind of re-blossomed into her personality. She, um, she's done some day stays. She stayed with other people. And when I see her with other people, she's pretty somber and can be kind of sad or, you know, kind of not, communicating or in this in the environment but when she's at home with my husband and I I mean she is just 
bright and chipper and happy. I mean, she definitely has rough times. Sundowning is real. You know, we have a lot of emotions at night. I've posted a little bit about that. Recently, but- yes, I've seen that. And I appreciate it, it even though it breaks my heart because your mom is the cutest person oh in the world yeah, and like so even cute. like when she cries like it's yeah like, I know it's so I'm like, like oh, whimpery like yeah, oh I, I just want to hug her sadder. it is it is oh my gosh but I, I love that you show the real side of it I think you're very very genuine in your portrayal of what's going on but I also think that you have an exceptional way of caring for your mom and being very positive and upbeat. And I'd love to kind of get into your approach to care because it's, it's definitely not like this for everyone. I think, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you know that through the community that, you know, you're building through your platform, you know, caregiving is, it's, it's a really, really emotionally physically uh, all the lees draining totally yeah (laughs) (laughs) tell us how you are so positive even after those hard days I do also want to say I'm sure you know it but what you just said about like your mom kind of being quiet with other people a little bit more withdrawn that just shows that you are her safe spot. Mm-hmm. So exactly. and I know, I'm sure you know that, but it's always nice to hear like yeah. you're doing a really, you're doing a great job. You're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. So please tell us how you, tell us how amazing <laughs> you are, Patty. Um, I would say that there's kind of three things when I think about that. The first one is the relationship that my mom and I have and have always had, right? I mean, she is adorable and she's cute and she's so fun right now, but she's always been this way. She always, I mean, she was all, she, I'm adopted also, and she always made everything special and perfect. And I just feel like I'm so, it's such an opportunity that I have to give back to the relationship that she provided for me, right? Like she provided me a safe space when I had a birth mom that did not have the ability or structure to raise me. She provided that space for me. My mom gave me everything. The reason I am so patient and kind and loving is because I had an amazing role model. So I just truly in my heart believe that this is an opportunity and a blessing that I get to provide this space for my mom. I am financially, I'm emotionally, I'm physically able to do these things. And on top of it, I have a support system specifically in my husband who is welcoming and supportive of doing that. So one of the biggest pieces is that to me is that it is such a partnership between us. That's why I'm able to stay positive is because even on the hard days, right? Like I was a hard, I was a very hard teenager, but she didn't give up on me. She didn't like write me off. I mean, she just always gave me patience and love. So I just get this chance to give it right back. I have the chills. I have the chills. (laughs) I do too. I'm like weeping a little bit in the corner. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know how much you know about like Rachel and my story, but like we feel 
still feel, even though our parents have passed, the same way about our parents. Yeah. I mean, th this podcast is basically our love letter to them. Yeah. And so, but you just articulated it in such a beautiful way of like, she gave all that to you and you want to give mm -hmm. it right back to her. Totally. And your shout out to the husband. Yeah. Big shout out. What is his yeah. name? We got to shout Devin. him out. Devin. Devin. You're Devin. the best. Holler at yeah. Devin. Patty, please continue. Maya. Um, the second reason why <laughs> is just, this is just who I am. I mean, if you ask my friends, if you ask my students, if you ask my coworkers, like this is just who I am. I don't think that um, you're put on this world to be miserable. You know, like I, I have a choice every day when I wake up to do my best to make it a good day or to do my best to just kind of be like blah. And I know the days when that's just blah, right? Like when we all have them and we all need them and it's okay. But I also, I get the opportunity once again to show up as my best self every day. And I show up as my best self to my students when I was teaching, but now in this role as a care, care partner, I get to show up as my best self for my mom. Like it's not her fault. She has dementia. I'm not going to blame any of those things. It's just, to me, it's all about how like your mindset and how you choose to see something, right? Like I, my choose... husband would love you. <laughs> he always tells me that it's your mindset, you know, yeah. if you choose to see bad, you're going to see bad. If you choose yeah. to accept the good, you're going <laughs> to do that, you know, totally. so that's, but it's, hard. Yeah. Right? Some days it's hard. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad that you said, yeah. Cause yeah. if you were like, no, it comes to me easily. Oh I'd no. I would <laughs> say my husband would probably laugh at this part because personally, like in my personal life, I'm like, you know, like this is so hard. And then when it comes to the caregiving or the teaching role or my friendships, like that's where it's easy for me to show up in the positive way. Right. Like that, uh, that's just huge for me. And then the other reason why I feel like I'm able to think about the positives in this situation is as a kindergarten teacher, I have had the opportunity to do a lot of training around trauma and like the impact of trauma on the brain. And so for me, when I think about my mom's diagnosis, I think about it as like, there's been some trauma or some cognitive impact to her. And so I get to choose how I respond to her. She doesn't get to choose how she responds, right? Like she's living in this like world that is confusing and things are being done to her constantly. But I have a calm, resilient brain at this point. So it's my job to reflect that for my mom and it's her job to just, she's living in fight or flight every day, right? Like I understand that when we go to do a shower, it feels so traumatic to her because she isn't able to process that I said, we're doing a shower. Then we like, she can process that. But then once we get in the shower and the water hits her, she's like, I didn't remember we're doing a shower. Why am I cold? Why is it wet? And so I just know that it's my job to provide scaffolds or support in that moment to make it as successful as possible for her. But it's not her fault. I don't ever think of like what she's doing as something that she's trying to do it to me. I 
fully believe that behavior is 100% communication and she doesn't have the words to communicate what she feels all the time. And so it comes out in sadness or resisting me or being frustrated. And that's not her fault. I can't get frustrated that she's frustrated because that is how her brain is responding to a situation. And I've seen it. I mean, I work in, I worked, (laughs) I worked in a school district where we had a lot of students um, living in poverty, living in traumatic situations. And we did a ton of work around trauma and its impact on the brain. And I just fully believe that that's her way of letting me know that she doesn't like something and that's okay. So that's my, my job is to meet her there and help keep her as calm as I can so that her brain can respond in a more positive way, maybe the next time, or maybe even in the moment. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the three ways that I really think about being able to approach something positive, like approach dementia or whatever it is positively. Okay. I have two questions. The first one is when you got that diagnosis, number one, were you shocked? And were you like out the gate? Just, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be so positive. I'm going to, you know, do all this art with her. That was my first question. My second question is what's the most challenging part right now? The answer to the first question is honestly, when she first got the diagnosis, my dad had really pushed people away. So he just very much was like, I got this. I got this. I'm the only person that can care for her. I'm the only person that can do these things. And um, my relationship with my dad is not the same as my relationship with my mom. I don't know if you guys are aware. He also has dementia, but he's living in an assisted living facility because me being the care partner for him in our home would not be successful. So my dad did a lot of pushing us away. So I didn't really have the opportunity to think positively. In fact, um, it was really negative for several years because my mom was my buffer between me and my dad, right? Like my dad would say something kind of crazy to me or something that he probably shouldn't have. And I would respond not positively either. And my mom could buffer both of us. Like, you know, Louie, you don't mean it. Like, let's both, let's all sit back. We're going to figure this out. Like Patty, you know, go take a break and then come back once you're calm, we can. But because she wasn't there to buffer for us, he would say that he's doing something right. And I was like, that's not the right way to do it. And I mean, he wouldn't until it became unsafe. There was no convincing him otherwise. So really it wasn't positive. But then as soon as I had the opportunity to have her under my care, that's when I was like, here's all the things that we need to do. It was a little bit too late for some of the things I wish that we could have maybe prevented some of the progression that went so quickly. But I'm like, we're doing our projects. We're reading books. And even if we're not reading books with words, we're getting books that have pictures and we're talking about it. And my dad always watched the news like 24 seven. I'm like, mom's getting a Kindle. She's going to sit and she's going to look at dog videos. If they're just going to be sitting on the couch, like she's going to look at dog videos. Like she, we have to change what's happening to her so that she can blossom again, which is what happened. Right. And then the, so it was negative for a while. And that was a lot to do with my dad, but 
when I would get to go and spend time with her when that was allowed or allotted, I would make it positive, right? We would just sit and talk and I would just, we wouldn't talk about dad and I wouldn't complain about those things. It was just all about her and being there for her and supporting her. Um, now I, ha- I can't remember the second question. <laughs> oh, the biggest challenge. So what's like oh. the biggest challenge that you're encountering right now? Um, I would say there's two, you know, she fell back in May and, or April, April or May, I don't remember what month and she broke her hip. And so now she's in a wheelchair. So the physical demands of caregiving has greatly increased. And so that to me is the biggest challenge right now. And she's does a good job once she gets standing, but she pretty much resists standing I mean, every time. And so that is challenging. It's challenging because there's some fear for her in it. So then I feel for her, right? Like my emotions are there, but also I'm like, we have to stand up. Like we have to get to the bathroom. Like we, there's, we have to be able to do those things because I don't want her to be bed bound. I don't want her to not be able to go on car rides or go to the doctor. And I don't want to not be able to care for her. And I feel like if I'm not having her get up and do these things, then that could be the potential at some point because I might not be strong enough or I might get hurt. So that's one of the biggest challenges. The second challenge for me is just she's been sad a lot lately. Um, just, you know, like randomly in the night, you know, and that's just hard. It's just heartbreaking. I don't like that. Um, I feel like I can approach it well and she's able to come back pretty quickly, but just not fun to, and it's not fun because I put myself in her shoes too. Like how scary, how scary is every day or, you know, she wakes up sometimes and she probably doesn't know where she's at and like, why am I here? And what, how did I get here? And The other night she woke up and she was crying and um, I get up and check on her throughout the night. And I got up and she was like, I just, I was, I want to get up. And I'm like, okay, then we can get up. And she's like, I know, but I can't get up. Like she sometimes has some clarity in those moments too. And she's like, I can't get up by myself. Like how sad, you know, how isolating, how frustrating. So um, that's just really hard for me because it's just heartbreaking. I, it's. And I can't really get her better, you know, in the right. same way. I, you know, I, I have a pretty consistent approach to how I try to support her in those moments, but sometimes it doesn't work. And I mean, so we're just sad. Right. right. It sounds like you use a lot of empathy when you care for her, you know, you mm-hmm. can put yourself in her shoes. And I think that's missing a lot in the world, but I also think it's so important when you're dealing with somebody who has a disease, like it's, there's no blame, you know? So you're kind of touching on kind of your approach to caring for her. And I I can tell through your Instagram that you're very regimented. You have a lot of activity. You're constantly stimulating her brain and everything. Is that kind of something that you came up with on your own? Because on the FTD side of the dementia journey, we are pretty much given no tools. Like your loved one's going to die in seven to 10 years, like see you later. And maybe you don't know because your dad was more involved in the beginning, but like, was there any sort of roadmap or did you get any feedback on how to care for your mom? 
Um, no. So, you know, we had, or my dad took her to the appointment and, um, they told him that she has dementia and they gave him the little pamphlet. I don't know if you guys have seen that little roadmap that talks about the different stages and that's pretty much it. I mean, they said there are some support groups out there. Um, we really tried to encourage my dad to go to some support groups and that, but I mean, he just, he wasn't willing to accept tools. And so, and you know, he felt like just because she has type one diabetes that no one understood what he was going through. And I understand, totally believe that adds another layer that people don't understand. And it is extremely challenging, but I don't think that that means that we have to ignore the dementia and what we could do to support that. But we were not given a lot of tools. And then when she came to live with me, I just had to kind of think like, what's best for someone, right? Like what would be best for her and what would be best for um, me? I think a lot in my like education background, it's so, I really believe that it's like very person centered. So Mm -hmm. I try my best to meet my students, each student individually where they're at and think about their next steps. And so I think that that's the approach I take with my mom. Like I know what the progression could look like and I know what she's capable of doing right now. And so how can I create activities or give her opportunities to do what she's able to do independently or with some support. So I think that that to me is how I approached it. And I don't know for better or for worse, but I just kind of approached it from like, what is she able to do? Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) but like, what is she able to do right now? Right. Pretty much when she moved in with me, I spent the first month kind of figuring out like, okay, she can walk. Okay. She can feed herself. Like, and I still am constantly thinking about those things like, okay, so it takes her a lot longer to answer questions now. So I give her more time. I mean, I just kind of think about what I know about what she is capable and able. Patty, you're the epitome of grief to goodness. Okay. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Yes. Yes. You totally are. But I think it's, I don't know. It's like very beautiful that you're this kindergarten teacher that, you know, has this patience and like this, all this empathy and like this view of how to work with someone who is typically you're working with young children and, you know, in the later stages of dementia, I I saw my mom become, you know, like a child. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, you have this perfect skill set not only because you're her daughter and you know her and love her, but also your training as a kindergarten teacher seems to just like you're the perfect, perfect, you're the perfect storm, perfect yeah. match, ready. And I know that you use this term. I had never heard it before. Care partner instead of caregiver. Is that something that you coined or kind of tell us a little bit about that? I don't know where I saw it. I just, you know, somewhere it was like, someone had posted care partner, that language. And for me, probably also because of my education background, to me, intentionality in words is so important. And I think for me, by describing 
myself as her care partner versus her caregiver, it really shows the reciprocal relationship that exists between the two of us. I mean, even with my dad, I would say I'm his care partner, not his caregiver. It's because it's the relationship between what I'm doing and providing her care. It is not, I'm not just giving my mom all this stuff. My mom is equally giving me love and kindness and joy back. Even if she doesn't know my name, she doesn't know I'm her daughter. Just the look in her eyes is enough for me to know that this is a partnership. We are working together. It's not just me doing all this stuff to my mom. She's still a person. And if I, if I lose that, I'm just do, do, doing for her. Like if I lose the, like the connection between us, then that I'm just discounting to me. I'm just discounting that she's even a person that just like, it puts it almost in like a hierarchy. Like here I am and I'm doing all this to my mom and she's just, this empty vessel, right? But like Mm -hmm. when it's a partnership, we're doing it together. I mean, it takes her relationship with me for us to be as successful as we can. She responds the best to me of anyone. And that's why to me, it's more of a partnership. That's the word that I use to describe my relationships with my students and my relationships with my students' families too, because it is... I mean, relationships between people are reciprocal. There is give and take. And there, for me, I'm not just giving. Yeah, maybe I am giving more to her. I'm doing more to her, but she's still there. She's still my mom. Right. We're doing this together. Well, I think you have the epitome of like a beautiful mindset about it all. And I think that's something we try and talk about a lot on our podcast is accepting the good and looking for the light. And we're not saying that this journey is not terrible. I mean, going through your wedding and seeing your mom not be able to participate in the way that you had always dreamed, you know, those moments, that sucks. We're not saying that's great, but there's also beauty and there's also like, this is what it is. So how can we make it the best that we can? And I think that You're such a beautiful example of that. But I wonder, do you ever receive any feedback online from, I know you have a lot of followers and people, I think you also have a TikTok too. Do you get any people saying, don't be so positive? Or do you get any negativity? Um, Or don't show your mom. We got that a lot. Like I, you need to ask your dad's permission. I'm like, my dad can't talk. So yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say the consent piece. I often people are be like, that's you're exploiting your mom. And um, my response to that is that first of all, I know my mom better than you do. And she would be okay with this. She would be happy that she was spreading joy. And she was trying to change the way people thought about dementia. I know that she's, she's my mom. Like I know what she what she would want you don't know her we're nodding so hard (laughs) yeah it's also my dad I don't I mean you guys probably he's not posted anywhere because my dad would not like that now and he wouldn't have liked it 15 years ago so it's knowing the person that you are showing or you know presenting that's I mean I get that a lot like she can't consent to this and then the other thing that I get a lot is like 
I hope that no one talks to me like you talk to her, like you treat her like a baby. I get that a lot. Um, and I, I mean, the thing is that who are these people? Always, yeah. The thing my <laughs> husband treat always her like said, a baby. Why? Cause you're kind and like, yeah, gentle. well, I was like, that's kind of just my voice. Like if you ask my husband, <laughs> he's going to tell you, I treat him like a kindergartner or whatever. And I, I mean, like I tell people too, like, I don't treat kindergartners like they're kindergartners. I treat everyone probably like they're a 24 year old. Like, you know, I'm just like, wow, we're having fun. <laughs> like, I don't treat kindergartners like babies either. This is just how I talk. Like, really? <laughs> I am excited and I talk kind to my mom. Like, I don't really see the problem. Sorry. And I, I always respond, right. this is how we've always talked to each other. Like, oh, you have her do kid things. I'm like, my mom and I were dying Easter eggs when I was 22 home from college. Like that's not like, that's just who, what she likes to do. Right. Right. We like holidays. We like doing silly stuff. Like, yeah, she always quilted and did other bigger craft projects, but she likes crafts. So not, I'm not doing kindergarten stuff with her. She's, is she, does she look upset? <laughs> no, yeah, she's exactly. going, do, 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 do. Oh my I gosh. love when she does that. Popcorn. How can we not talk about popcorn? Oh yes. We have to talk about popcorn. popcorn. And pizza, right? Yeah, Those are the they're two. the best. Mm-hmm. Popcorn okay. And tell, pizza. tell our listeners all about them. Um, so popcorn and pizza are our joy for all pets that we got and they are amazing. So my mom for her birthday last year, she wanted a dog. All she would talk about was that she wanted a dog. She wanted a dog. And our caregiver at the time, she was like, oh, have you heard of these dogs? They have cats. I've never seen the dogs. And so I looked it up. We got popcorn and it was love at first sight. I mean, she hasn't put popcorn down since. Oh, um, that's so sweet. She is yeah. really sweet with him. What's that? What's that? Like yeah, she talks. She talks I oh. mean, I just feel like they are providing her the opportunity to continue to communicate. Like sometimes she, you can tell she feels lost in conversations when we get together with people or when my husband and I are talking. So often if my husband and I are talking about something, like you'll see mom over talking to popcorn, like, what's that? Oh, are you hungry? Like saying things and I, and then it also gives me some insight, like, oh, are you hungry, mom? Maybe a little. And so I'm like, okay, we can eat. Oh my gosh. She is so cute. Yeah, she is. So the cute. kindest heart, the kind you yeah, can I mean, feel it. Like you can, yeah. even in your posts that when you show her, when you guys were both young, you know, I'm yeah, like, totally. I want to be in their house and I want Linda to make me some cookies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a hundred percent. She's always just, she's just a little caregiver herself. You know, if you could, how would you describe your mom as a mom to you? Mm, loving patient, kind. I mean, she just exudes love. Like I just always felt loved. I never questioned if my mom loved me, even if I did something wrong. Like I never questioned that even when I got in trouble or even when I did something I shouldn't have, like my mom, I never had to doubt if she loved me or if she, like she, all she wanted to be was a mom, right? That's her goal. She wanted to be a mom. She wanted to raise kids. She wanted to have a family. And 
she she did it. <laughs> she did it beautifully. She was a good friend, a good sister, a good daughter. I mean, I learned how to be a daughter by watching her with her mom too. I mean, her mom had a stroke when um, I was little. And so she helped care for her mom as best as she could with having us at home. It, it was a little bit more challenging. And so she didn't bring her into the home, but she went and saw my grandma. I mean, she just showed me that love you know, conquers all. And the way she loves people is still so beautiful. That's really sweet. Now, how do you fill your own cup? Like at the end of a bad day, what's your best coping strategy? What's your best sense? Um, my, I have a really amazing group of friends. I would say I have amazing group of real life friends. And I also have a really wonderful group of people that are similar age to me that are going through similar things as me. And so I, if I had a rough day, I typically either text one of my best friends that I know in real life, or I text one of my friends that I've made on, met online. And between that and my mom has, she goes to bed pretty early. She goes to bed at like eight. So then I just give myself an hour of just whatever I feel like doing. I talk to my friends. I look on TikTok. I drink a glass of wine. That's how I try to like end a tough day. I journal a lot. The other thing is I really do try to keep up on my self-care as much as I can. Um, my husband is great about hanging out with my mom. And so I'll get my nails done, or I do have a caregiver that comes for four hours a week. And so I use that time to go and, you know, get my nails done or get a massage or get a facial. I mean, I, I do prioritize that self-care stuff, even above like maybe some doctor stuff or things like that. So do I, so do I, <laughs> you do a really good job at <laughs> And I think you started off with like, this is the mindset that I am going to stick to. I think that that's a form of self-care too. So you don't totally. let yourself go to the dark. I mean, I'm sure you do go yeah, to the totally. dark spots, but it's not a habit. It's not habitual. Yeah. Right? And I also think that because it's my mom and we have such a good relationship, it's easier for me to say, like it's easier for it not to be draining, right? Like if it was my dad living at my house with me, I I might be different as a care partner, right? Like I might be drained and exhausted, but I think that that to me, because I realize that that would not be a successful relationship partnership for either of us. Mm -hmm. I think that that's just what I constantly keep in mind. This is successful. This is the best place my mom can be right now. And so I know that in my heart. And so I think that kind of keeps me going because I don't feel defeated because I do feel, I feel successful most days, right? Like I feel like I'm helping and supporting her and there's joy in every day. Whereas if my dad lived with me, I don't know if I'd have those moments. And so sometimes that makes me wonder when people do say that they're drained all the time. It just makes me wonder, like, is it the right spot for both of you? I'm in some groups on Facebook and I have asked people before, like, why are you even caring for your loved one if you're talking about them this way? Like you, that's not loving anymore. So 
Um, I under, and they, you know, they kind of get on me, but I'm like, (laughs) it's the truth. It's not fair to your loved one. Like they're feeling the person that's caring is feeling so frustrated every day. Like that person feels that, you know, they, they feel it, you know, if I'm, and if I'm in like a feisty mood and I'm going like, well, my mom feels it, you know, she knows, (laughs) she knows when I'm having a bad day and she's like, "Ah," you know, (laughs) it's mere, (laughs) right. Your neurons are real people like they That's feel right. it. That's right. I think there's like this fine line. Cause I'm in a lot of those Facebook groups too. And I've been disappointed with a lot of the negativity. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Cause I've needed an outlet to talk about yeah. it. But I think there's like this fine line between like being very frustrated with some of the behaviors, especially with like FTD, there's some aggressive behaviors and things like that, that are absolutely frustrating. There's Mm -hmm. like this fine line between being, being very upset with the behaviors and then just being almost like reckless with someone's like dignity with the things that you're saying. And I think that all of the caregivers in our space that we're creating are are very cognizant of that. They're very respectful to their parents and they're sharing some of the tough parts of the journey to educate people and make people feel less alone. But it doesn't cross that line of, like you did such a beautiful job explaining like, your mom doesn't have control over this, you know? And I think that's an important thing to recognize. It's hard to wrap your mind around because sometimes like, early on in my mom's diagnosis, I remember I was like nine months pregnant and she was like wandering down the street. And I'm just like, ah, like, why are you escaping the house? I'm like nine months pregnant. I'm so frustrated. And she'd be like laughing, but I'm like, she has no idea that she's upsetting me. You know, like it's just, it's a very hard journey, but I think that you do it in such a beautiful job of like keeping yourself in check, being very positive acknowledging the good and the bad but also like treating your mom with like so much respect and that's why we wanted to have you on grief to goodness of course and you are i've said it i'll say it again you are the epitome of grief to goodness i mean you could have gone a completely different way with both parents having a diagnosis and you chose to see the good so you get Amazing. a gold star from the Remember Me podcast. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, Patty, we like to end on our loved one's words. So will you share with us something that your mom, Linda, has written you? Yep. It was for my bridal shower. It was the last oh. thing she wrote to me. And as in, it was for my bridal shower. Oh. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's so special. Oh, <laughs> I can't God. wait. I can't, I can't wait, wait to hear it. For my bridal shower, my mom got me a little book called Mother and Daughter, Friends of the Heart. Inside, she wrote, For my beautiful bride, with love, mom. I am so very glad I am your mother. I love you so very much. I look forward to being a grandma. It is going to be one of the biggest joys of my life. It already has been. We are so proud to have two beautiful daughters and thank you for being you. And on the back, she wrote, the best days of our lives. My love will be with you forever, forever.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We release new episodes each week now on Tuesdays, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram at RememberMePodcast, or you can go to our website, RememberMeFTD.com. And if you want more Remember Me, check out our brand new members-only site, Remembers Only. You can sign up at RememberMeFTD.com slash join R-O. This podcast is produced by Maria Kent Beers and Rachel Martinez, and the beautiful music you hear is a song called So Damn Lucky by Bailey Kent. Bailey Kent.